Welcome to the New Regime Podcast, the Cleveland Browns podcast recorded after every game and now doing some preview before the game. I call it New Regime because most fans are ready to start over after every game. And if you check Brown's Twitter, I'm pretty spot on with this title. We've played two games against two probably playoff teams and the fans are losing it. The way we lost the games was terrible. All right, we did lose the games and everybody's like, "Ah, that's so Browns." But that's ridiculous because 60% of this team wasn't here last year. Too many people associate this idea of losing and this idea of culture with a symbol instead of the people who are playing. It's a completely new team. I know the fans feel it because the fans are the ones that have to put up with the losing, but most of this team wasn't here last year. So let's get over that right away. New Regime Podcast. Find me on Twitter and Facebook at New Regime Pod. In this podcast, we're going to do a few things. We're going to preview the game, of course, talk about things that scare me. Three points from section 346. Every person who loves football or sports in general should have that other person that they argue with regularly. And those points come from my boy. He sits in section 346 of First Energy Stadium. We are usually on opposing ends of a lot of topics, but we've agreed lately. We're going to talk about that. We're going to do three points from a non-Browns fan. They help keep me honest. We'll talk about the uniforms really quickly because I love talking about the uniforms. Predictions on the game. New York City, the city. New York City, the football team. We're going to talk about all that. Thanks for joining me. Let's get into it. All right, let's look at these teams right away. Offense. Browns are 23 in total offense. This is yards per game. Jets are 18 in total offense. Okay, not too big of a difference there. Browns are fourth in rushing, which just seems absurd to me. And that just goes to show you how stats can tell you one thing and then watching the games can tell you a completely other thing. We're fourth in rushing because of Tarad and his scrambles. Those count as far as rushes. Jets are 16. They look like a better running team than we do. Um, passing the Browns are 27. That seems right. If you've been paying attention, we had the game in the monsoon, which didn't help our stats there at all. And we looked inept. And then the last game, it felt like we started coming around in the second half of the last game. Things opened up a little bit. Uh, still don't know how to throw a screen pass. Imagine if we did. Imagine if we knew how to run a screen, what our stats would be. Cause we seem to try several times a game and they seem to just be terrible. That used to drive me crazy. For several previous regimes, not being able to throw a screen pass <clears throat> drives you crazy. Jets are 15 in passing. That seems high to me. But look, the last game, uh, Darnold looked good again. All right. And this, I don't want this podcast to turn into me being wrong, which, okay, maybe, maybe it might. <laughs> but Darnold looks like a legit quarterback. I think everybody out there was saying that. I didn't see it in his highlights. Okay. I'm a YouTube scout. I watch, you know, highlights before the draft. I didn't see it at all. The dude moves very well in the pocket. Uh, I still think that if they if they're able to confuse him a little bit, um, I think his weakness, at least that's what I noticed in watching his college highlights, was he didn't look great at uh, reading a defense. He didn't look great at making a specific decision. He looked very indecisive to me in college and. It appears that he's playing well this year. So, hey, I could be wrong on that. But Jets, 15th overall, that's very solid with a rookie quarterback. 
you know, they may have been playing a little catch up, so they may have been looking to pass a little bit more in the last game, but look, hats off, right? And when they beat the Lions, they beat the Lions, right? They beat the pants off the Lions. So defense, Browns are 21st overall, Jets are five. What? We got to go against the fifth ranked defense in the NFL? You know, again, some of that might be skewed because they were up um, in their first game. And <clears throat> do they have the fifth-ranked defense? Maybe they do. And if that's the case, Browns are going to have the work cut out for them. But the Browns are favored in this game. This is one of the first games we've been favored in. Uh, defense, Browns are 20th. Jets are 11. Uh, defensive passing, uh, Browns are 22 in the league, and Jets are 8. So the Jets are... I mean, this, these guys look like a solid team, right? And again, if you're up big and you know that the team you're playing is going to be passing, that allows you to play the pass better. So maybe these stats are a bit skewed, but they've earned their numbers. The numbers are what they are. And they can tell you a story, and then you can watch games, and they can tell you a different story, as we said. So we'll see what the Browns do. But the Browns are favored in this game, despite the stats, despite the fact that the Browns are lower in basically every category except rushing offense, which makes, again, no sense. Um, the Browns are favored in this game. Okay, individual stats. Um, you got your main running backs, right? Isaiah Crowell looks fantastic this year. Um, has a long of 62 yards and a touchdown. Um, and, and dude has two touchdowns overall, 62 yard or was a touchdown. Averaging 6.2 yards a carry, which is absurd for Isaiah Crowell. Um, guy is a freak athlete, right? We've kind of known that forever. Um, I just always thought on... On the Browns, he looked so indecisive. Um, he'd have, you know, a 10-yard gain, and then he'd lose seven yards, and it just felt like that was a normal thing, and that could have been offensive scheme calling. And you look at Carlos Hyde this year. You know, that's kind of the story is there's really no blocking for him. Our our blocking has been, our run blocking has been awful this year. Um, Carlos Hyde's averaging 2.8 yards per carry. He's got a couple touchdowns, so that's good. And you want to see the Browns stick with the run, right? Because that's what's going to open up things for the pass, and maybe that's how the Browns' offense is doing it, right? Maybe they're running so that they can set up the pass, set up the play-action pass. I want to see more play-action, and I want to see Tarad keep the ball, you know, on some of those those handoffs or those, you know, RPOs that we might be running. Um a lot of the times it looks like he has a wide open corner or wide open edge. And that's such a tough call and such a, you know, there's such a quick or small time frame to make a decision on keeping it. But you want to see that Terod Taylor right below Carlos Hyde in, in rushing yards, um, averaging 8.6 yards per carry. Most of those are scrambles, right? Um, and look, I mean, it's an honest threat that the Browns have and maybe should use a little bit more. It's just you don't want to get your quarterback in a spot where you're, you know, putting him in in sort of danger here. So Browns, um, while having the fourth ranked rushing offense, <laughs> that just seems so absurd to me. Um, you know, you gotta stick with that running that running game this week. Okay, passing offense. You're looking at your quarterbacks here, Sam Darnold. Um, 266 yards per game average. He's thrown three TDs, also thrown three picks. So you hope that the Browns can kind of get at him a little bit. Um, he's been sacked five times, which, uh, isn't awful compared to the rest of the league. I'm looking at the, the list here. Russell Wilson has been sacked 12 times this year. Holy heck, 12 times. 
what is your what are you guys doing over there in Seattle? Um, anyway, Sam Darnold <clears throat> looking okay percentage wise, sixty six percent pass completion. That's very solid um, and very solid for a rookie. So give the man credit there too. Uh, meanwhile, Terod Taylor. <clears throat> Averaging 220 yards, 221 yards a game, two T touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, <clears throat> yeah, man, you just want to see more out of Tarad, right? And I think we will. I think it's continuing to gel the offense. I mean, you have to ask the question: Why do the Jets have a rookie quarterback um, and you know many more yards and an offense that looks looks better than the Browns, who also have a brand new you know the Browns who have a new offense, new quarterback but a veteran quarterback, you know, Tarad should be passing, should be doing better. Another thing that I noticed on this list of top passers in the NFL, um, number two on the list is Ben Roethlisberger. Number three on the list, Drew Brees. One thing in common is they both played the Cleveland Browns. So while our pass, while our defense is looking good so far and that we're all excited about the defense, the one thing that concerns me is the thing that's keeping us in these games are turnovers. And that's something that you can't necessarily count on from game to game, right? And that's why they measure defense by kind of yards per game, because that shows a consistency among, you know, defenses. And <clears throat> you want to see the Browns defense tighten up a little bit, you know? Um, and, you know, again, those two players... Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees are both Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I mean, no doubt. I don't know if anybody could argue that. Uh, and and so we'll see what happens against the rookie this week. Things that scare me. You know, more and more, I think I'm sounding like John Lovitz in those little <laughs> things that scare me. Someday when I'm making big money, I'm just going to hire John Lovitz to do my transitions for me. Ah, dreams. Don't lose them, kids. All right. <clears throat> so I want to talk about something that is... Just a scary situation. So I'm thinking about Hugh Jackson, all right, the coach of the Browns. We as fans obviously have given him every ounce of what we feel he deserves from his record, right? 132 and 1. Okay. And fans are harsh, fans are mean. Um, fans forget that this whole thing is entertainment. Uh, but you talk about Hugh Jackson and what a rough year he has had already. Like you remember in Hard Knocks, he lost, I think it was his mom and his brother in the span of two weeks. And then he's had this record kind of looming over him and he takes responsibility for the record. Okay. But you think about that and then you think about how angry you are as a fan when the Browns lose a game. So just think about you in that crappy armchair that you sit in for every game, the one with the groove in it, the one where you, you know, punch the arms on your chair, right? Think about the room you watch and how angry you are. You get up from the game after watching it, completely disappointed. So that's you as a person who watches the games as a fan every week. And then think about Hugh Jackson, who it's his job to live and breathe Cleveland Browns. He probably doesn't go home certain nights of the week. He sleeps in his office. 
he formulates a game plan. He talks to his coaches. He implements this plan. He talks to the media who ask questions that are fairly ignorant given what he knows about the Cleveland Browns and their plan for success or up to this point, failure. After the game, can you imagine the disappointment and anger that Hugh Jackson feels? If you feel that way when you're in your basement drinking your awful Bud Light, can you imagine what Hugh Jackson feels after a game? Man, that scares the heck out of me because I don't know what kind of outlet Hugh Jackson has. I don't know why he doesn't have a punching bag in his office. But there is something to be said for self-care. And I don't want to be too much of a psychiatrist on this podcast, but there is something to be said for taking care of yourself. And can you imagine what this guy feels after every single loss? Just what he puts into it. I mean, I don't know. It's like there are many dark places my brain can go on what this guy does when he leaves the office, when he goes home, when he has to unwind. But I hope it's not. I hope it's something like really positive and kind of dainty, like gardening. Like that's how Hugh Jackson clears his mind. He goes home to the little greenhouse he has in his backyard, puts on some overalls, (laughs) goes out to his rose garden, has an opinion on begonias and how you should garden for him. (laughs) I just love the idea of Hugh Jackson finding his peace in his solitude in his little, you know, flower garden in his backyard. That's what I hope Hugh Jackson does. Because, man, I hope this guy does something nice for himself after these games. (laughs) I mean, he's a millionaire. All right, let's keep this in context. He's a millionaire. He's never really going to have to work. He has a dream job that we all... I think can agree is a pretty awesome thing, but the amount of strain stress that this puts on a person, you got to think, man, that definitely takes its toll. That's not an area code. Mm. Okay. Three points from section three, four, six. Uh, I want to talk about these points. They're from my buddy. I grew up with them. We talk about the Browns all the time. Um, my wife thinks we have, I have a mistress because I text him so much about the Browns. All right. So we have three points. First one, early week reactions are so overrated and it's a good point from him again. Um, so maybe I'm not doing so much as arguing as agreeing lately, but I like this point and, and it's exactly, I had a tweet about it yesterday that I was just completely frustrated with how, how much we're overreacting with this record right now. Um, one out of any, this is here's some stats he gave me. Uh, one out of every ten teams that start zero and two will make the playoffs. So not very good. Um, he said also though teams that start two and zero since two thousand seven there's been ninety one teams who started two and zero only fifty two made the playoffs thirty nine missed. So the point that he's trying to illustrate is a fast start or a slow start doesn't necessarily mean your going to make the playoffs or not going to make the playoffs. Although 0-2, you know, 1 out of 10 teams not looking too good. Um, He also kind of mentioned just the idea that the magic you see in the beginning of the season, so like Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing five touchdowns a game and putting up 40 on people, or Miami, is Miami really a 2-0 team or did they play Tennessee and the Jets? 
Um, <clears throat> Cincinnati beat Indiana Fluke. Defensive play beat Baltimore team on Thursday night at home after Baltimore looked good. Cincy might be the exception to this one that I'd argue. I think they look. They, I just think they look good. I think they look tough. Um, some people will argue that Cincinnati always looks tough in the beginning, and then they kind of dwindle once the colder months come around. And Andy Dalton has trouble, you know, uh, in the colder weather. Okay, um, but I'm with I'm with this idea that these early week reactions are kind of overrated. Um, and with that said, I'm going to give this a caveat too, because in the first three games, we need a W for this team in particular. I think Drew Brees could start 0-2 if, if you know, he's not because he won last week, but I think he could and get away with it and still make the playoffs. The Browns though, they need a win. So speaking specifically for this Cleveland team, this young team, the team that I've been harping on that needs a culture change and a belief system in it, they got to win this week, especially against a rookie quarterback, especially with your home fans, especially wearing those tight color rush uniforms. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I got a little bit of a cold fighting a cold. I got that mid-fall cold that you get, even though it's still summer for two days, all right, um, or three days, whatever. I'm battling, all right? feel like a hero over here, taking my lumps and still doing my podcast, all right? Not all heroes wear capes. Some are sad men who work in a cubicle. All right, second point, second point from Section 346. Um, Zane Gonzalez isn't the worst part of our special team, so um, this is a point that, you know, we know Zane's gone, right? But one of his points was, if you're a person who's reaching out to Zane Gonzalez like on social media and you're being an a-hole, you're being an a-hole. Um, dude knows he messed up. Dude knows the consequences of his horrible play. Do we need to pile on this guy who just got cut? Probably never going to be able to realize his dreams again. Just close the door on a lifelong dream. Man, that's rough. I don't know. It's like when you go into work and you have one bad day at work, right? Does the, does the CEO come down to your desk and say, pack your stuff up? All right. Like you just forget how to send emails. You're just like, I don't know how to send emails, but that's your job. You're supposed to communicate to the company. No, I don't know how to send emails anymore. And they just let him go. I don't know. Injured my, and then you claim you injured your pinky finger and you can't type. And then the CEO's like, I didn't know about that injury. Okay, my metaphor is a bit rough. Again, I'm not feeling very well, all right? But that's a rough time to be cut, you know? Just, <laughs> um, yeah, There's a if you saw on Twitter, there's a high school, there's a baseball coach. I think he's a NCAA coach or something, shares his name, got all these tweets, angry tweets from Browns fans. Again, this goes back to my previous point. Hugh Jackson, after a game when he loses, can you imagine how angry he is if you're getting on Twitter to completely shame a player? Kind of funny. Um, third point. Uh, oh, sorry. I want to continue this point on special teams. So special teams, um, our special teams are terrible. And we've seen it two weeks in a row. And in my opinion, the reason for it is when you have a team that has a new regime, uh, new, <laughs> when you have a team that has a new regime, 
every two years or year and a half, you end up flipping the roster, right? That's what we did in this offseason, even though Dorsey, uh, Dorsey took over, but he was still here. Even though he was still here, we flipped the roster. And you end up with your second string guys, third team guys, who are on special teams, and they're new every year. And we recycle this roster every year or every other year. And it gives them no time for coaching, no time to mesh. I thought we did need a coaching change in the offseason at special teams, and we, we made that change. Uh, but I think it goes to the point of just having such a young team, having a, a team with no chemistry, the thing that you're trying to establish. And <clears throat> I don't know, but I, I go back to the point we made last week too on the fact that we should just kick the ball out of bounds at this point. I'm just so sick of seeing those blocks in the back or just the stupid penalties. It just seems like special teams is killing us right now. It's lost us two games. Okay, third point. Um, just going into this idea that Tarad needs to be benched. Uh, I'm, I'm with him on this too. I do, I do not think Tarad needs to be benched. Um, you know, usually you think about Pro Bowl Hall of Fame QBs and the numbers they put up, 70% passing. That's pretty aggressive. But 300 yards, two, two TDs, that's usually a good game, good enough game for a win. Usually, sometimes not though, because it's such a passing league now. You could end up with, you know, 350 yards and, you know, 150 of it comes in garbage time because you're playing catch up or whatever. But his point is that, you know, benching Tarad right now after one monsoon game. And, you know, I thought he had a rough game at New Orleans, but it looked a little better and things seemed to be coming together in the second half. Uh, you know, for Browns winning football, what kind of numbers do we need? And that's just such a a difficult thing. So he wants to say, my friend wants to say 65% passing 250 yards and a touchdown should be good enough for a W. I don't necessarily agree with that particular part, but I do agree with them with the idea that you don't need to bench Tarad just yet. Let's ensure that we're putting him in a place for success. Maybe run some screen passes in practice this week. Um, I think we're taking a lot of yards off the board with some of the simple, easy stuff. And, you know, our blocking up front, the run game has not helped Tarad at all. Uh, I think the one difference with Baker, if you were to bring Baker in right now, is he'd probably turn the ball over a little bit more, but he'd also look downfield a little bit more. So there would be a bit of a double-edged sword. That's one thing that I loved about Baker in college is he did very well with those medium, those intermediate, you know, 15 yards down the field throws that I don't think Tarad looks to enough. <clears throat> um, so in that regard, I think Tarad needs to play the game. He needs to play to win. And that, that changes from game to game to sort of put a number on it. I understand why this point came through, but I think we need, and I agree with the idea that we need to temper expectations and say, look, let Tarad play. I really do think the Browns made this decision. The regime made this decision. The coach, the GM are in lockstep. We know that they want this veteran to start. Because this team needs to win, it's win now. It's not win later, it's win now for this team, especially for Hugh Jackson. And we're talking about wins. This is a must win, right? This is an absolute must win for the Cleveland Browns. So uh, if you lose this game, if you lose this game at home, you know, to this rookie quarterback, you're just done. You're going to lose the fan base early this season. So I don't even want to think about it. I don't think they're going to lose. 
Okay, three points from a non-Browns fan. They come from my friend Jamie. She lives in Columbus, Ohio. She's a Bengals fan, which is the worst thing you could probably be. And she said, I feel bad for them, the Browns, that is. I can't even hate them anymore. Ugh, doesn't that make you feel worse as a Browns fan? <laughs> Just reading that. She pities us. We're not even considered as a rival anymore. That's what this whole season is about. I like the point, honestly, because I think that's how a lot of fans feel. Pittsburgh fans, um, you know, Ravens fans. They're just like, I don't even think about the Browns anymore. I just feel bad for how horrible the organization has been. Um, Her second point, she hates the elf. She said the elf, I haven't seen him. No one's seen that thing for years. I love the elf, man. I'm an elf. I'm an elf man. All right. All right. I I like Moose. I like the dog. But for our logo moving forward, I want to bring back the elf. You're either a one or a zero. You're an on or an off. I'm an on. I love the elf, okay? Third point, she's trying to rip on Bernie Kosar. I'm not even going to read what she wrote, okay? It was just mean, accusing Bernie of certain extracurricular activities um, where maybe he's at the bar too much or eats. Okay, look, she misspelled Bernie's name, all right? So that hurt more than... The the ripping on my guy. Man, Bernie Kosar is the reason I'm a fan. Do you guys have a reason? Like, did you when you watched football for the first time and you were like, man, I'm a fan now because of that guy, because of that person. Bernie Kosar is my guy. He's the reason I am a fan of the Cleveland Browns. Grew up as a kid watching him, just kind of force-fed Bernie Kosar as a kid, and I was hooked. It's like the kind of slow, he's slow, he was a terrible runner, just a smart player. Cleveland loved him. Obviously, we wish that we had a Super Bowl out of this guy, but um, he's the reason that I love Cleveland Browns football. That's a nice city you have there. Okay, quickly, let's talk about New York City. The city, not the football team. New York City. Um, Look, it's it's the the biggest city in the U.S. Um, I think we don't really need to talk too much about it. There's anything and everything you ever want to do in that city. I go there once in a while for my day job, and I love it. For the two days I'm there, <laughs> and then I'm ready to leave. I'm one of those dudes. I know that I I know that I am Midwest because of that reason. I'm ready to leave as soon as those two or three days are over. But I love that city. Um, best comedy in the world. If you're looking for stand-up comedy, go see a show there. It is the best. You'll find the best shows in the world in New York City. Um, <clears throat> food. Keen Steakhouse, oldest steakhouse in America. They put all the pipes from, it used to be like the smoke club for Richie Riches. And they put all their pipes on the walls and stuff. That's pretty cool. Um, Francis Tavern, another place. Uh, it's in kind of South Manhattan. And uh, that's where George Washington addressed his troops for the last time. So if you get a chance, check that out. It's a pretty cool place. Nice place for a beer. All right. The New York Jets. Who cares? I hate this team so much. I hate Sam Darnold so much. All right? I never wanted him. I I don't care that he's having success. I hope this dude just gets harassed by Miles Garrett this whole game. And that's what I think is going to happen. All right? Browns are going to put up 30, and the Jets are going to put up 20. It's going to be a 30-20 to game. Browns are going to win in those fancy color rush uniforms that are bad, but not anywhere close to as bad as their regular uniforms. Some people love Color Rush. I kind of do like them. All right, I kind of do like them, but I'm more of a white numbers guy and a white stripes guy. All right, I'm kind of sick of the orange lettering, orange numbering, but that's what they did for the Color Rush, and they look good. They're going to look good beating the Jets 
at home. I hope Cleveland goes crazy. I hope our fans just eat that team alive too. Let's be crazy, man. Let's win this game. Let's win it handedly. Let's change the culture. Let's change the belief system in Cleveland. Go Browns.